You are listening to the Motherhood Podcast, episode number 67. We at Motherhood believe that there's no way to be a perfect mom, but many ways to be a good one. Our content is judgment-free within the context of evidence-based research. Adele, thank you so much for joining us on our show. My pleasure. I'm so happy to be here. Well, we're so excited to have you on. I know that I followed you for a while on Instagram, and you've previously shared your motherhood story as a mother good feature on our platform, and you just have a beautiful life and beautiful family. So before we jump into your story, could you tell us about yourself? Sure. So I have six children. We're expecting our seventh in May. Um, we live in Virginia and I always knew that I wanted a big family and I didn't know exactly when or how that would happen, but my husband, Ben and I were high school sweethearts and we got married during college. Actually, um, I went on to get my master's at Harvard and always assumed that I would just keep going and become a professor. But when I was in grad school, there were several women who I respected, um, that really, recommended that I have a family first, as opposed to waiting until probably I would have just be just be starting a family right now if I had gone the whole PhD tenure track. Um, so by the time I graduated from Harvard, I was seven months pregnant with our first daughter. And so that just put me on a totally different trajectory over the past. She's almost 13 now. Um, so during that time, we have had five more children, are expecting our sixth, so seventh total. Um, and I've really loved and cherished my time at home with them and have sort of embraced the challenge of finding creative outlets and um, ways to feel fulfilled as a whole person, whether it's through friendship or um, some creative outlet or uh, ministry um, while I'm at home with them. Um, so right now, I unexpectedly am finding myself as a homeschooling mother to six children because all of my children are home for the rest of the year. Um, at the very least, we, we know that in our state that they will not be going back to school. Um, so that's been my latest project I've been working on is finding ways to make that sane and fun and creative for all of us. It's definitely a very strange time to try to juggle all of that with the homeschooling and then everything that's going on with the epidemic. So I'm kind of curious when you're talking about the advice that you got from the older women that had careers, um, why did they say and why did they recommend to have a family first? I'm just so curious to know that the reason that they gave. Yeah. So actually, a lot of them had difficulty when they eventually did try to start a family. Um, so a, for a lot of them, it was just a very pragmatic, it's it's so much easier when you're younger biologically. Um, and so I knew that I wanted to have big family. When we got married, I told my husband I wanted nine kids. He said three. So we're <laughs> officially tipping the scale in my direction once this baby is born. Um, but so, um, so yeah, they just, a lot of them had really experienced a lot of suffering because when they finally did kind of check all their boxes and do everything right, and they, they tried to start a family, it was really difficult for them. 
Um, and um, some of them couldn't have kids. Some of them, it just took a really long time. Um, so they, they're basically just saying, listen, you're married. Um, you know you want to have kids. The, the easiest time to do it biologically is, is now. Go for it. So just having these women that I really respected who had great professional success giving me that advice really kind of made me reprioritize. That's such great advice and advice that you don't really hear that often. And even though it's really true, because I know one of my friends, uh, she's a, a doctor in Los Angeles, a pediatrician actually. And she said that so many of her patients are older moms, which obviously there's nothing wrong with that. If that's how your life circumstances take you, that it just didn't happen for you at that time. So I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but a lot of them had a lot of difficulty getting pregnant. And for most of them, it was a choice. You know, they put their career first and then they're just starting their families and they're you know, mid to late thirties. And it's, it's a lot more difficult for them, even keeping up with all the kids. So I think that was, I can feel that now. I now officially am, this is my first pregnancy that I am advanced maternal age. (laughs) So I can feel it. I am slowing down. (laughs) I'm tired, pretty tired in the evenings, but there are lots of ways to go about having a family. And there's so many different, beautiful paths to it. Looking back, I'm thankful that, um, that we, kind of embraced welcoming the children um, in our marriage earlier on, just because it really did um, reorient our priorities as a family in a way that um, put things into place a little bit. Um, And I have no idea what our path would look like if we, if I had, you know, gone on to get the PhD immediately or, Um, but I just looking back, I'm really thankful, um, for each of my kids and the path that, that we have in our family. And talking about your education, you went to Harvard, right? I just don't want you to sell yourself short on that. (laughs) Yes. Yep. I have, I have a master's from Harvard. Yep. So when you're talking about how having a big family has made your family, more family oriented and just realigned your family. What are some ways that that having a family early on and not putting off motherhood has realigned your family? Like what are, what are some examples of that? So I think part of it is also um, Ben and I got married really young. So we really became adults together. We have been dating since I was 15 and he was 16 and got married the day before my 21st birthday. So we were really young. So looking back on that, I think that there is um, there is something very natural and easy about going through, passing through those thresholds together, because um, it's not like we had these two totally separate lives that we had to reconcile and make compromises and negotiate and consolidate into one life. But we really were kind of journeying together into adulthood. Uh, And similarly, having children and becoming adults sort of at the same time. I mean, I was what, like 23, 24 when my first daughter was born. Um, So as we were making these big decisions, where do we live how do we live? What are our priorities? What do we um, value? What do we want to spend our time and energy and money on? Family and marriage and children were always a part of it. So I think for us, like those early years were super lean. I love to tell the story that the first year that we were married, 
um, the first and second year that we were married, we had a budget of $50 a week for groceries. And we would take that money out in cash from the bank and whatever. So we'd walk down to the grocery store and buy what we needed for the week. And whatever we had left over, we kept in a jar in our kitchen. And that was like our free spending money. You know, we could go out and get coffee or something if we had something left over. Um, so we just learned to live really, really simply during that time because we were a young couple. Ben was working. I was in school. Um, but I'm thankful for that because there was always a sense that the stuff, what we have, fine dining, like that stuff is not the core of who we are as a family or what is important to us as a marriage or, you know, throwing a kid into the mix when we were, I was um, pregnant while I was still in school and Ben was working. Um, We just didn't even have the, um, like the time or money to worry about all the stuff. So I'm thankful for that because I think it's so easy to get caught in that spiral of, you know, we need the the gear and the things and um, the the perfect house and whatever it's going to be, but just making all of these idols out of things that we all are attracted to because they're beautiful, you know, so there's something that draws us to them. But um, I'm thankful for um, the fact that we just because of necessity, we couldn't really pursue those things early on. Um, So I feel like it gave us this, um, like the core of our marriage was our love for one another and also our willingness to sacrifice for one another. Um, So just welcoming kids into the mix, that came pretty naturally. And I have to say, every single kid we have, there's so much sacrifice that's required of you as a mother. So um, just being in that mode of like, we're all just doing what we can to, to make this work. Um, Welcoming a child into the mix felt natural in that way. Um, So, so I think that's what, to answer your question about just living for another person, instead of saying, you know, here is, Like when we had kids, it was a time that a lot of our friends really identified by their ambition or their hobbies or their interests or whether it's travel. Um, So I think for us, um, very early on, it became like we are a family and we are all giving up parts of ourselves for whatever that is. Um, And over time, I think the, the joy has really come from finding a way that we all as a family, like. Ben and I and the kids together can pursue those things together. Um, But I think that that was the big um, way that it reoriented it is that it was never like, you know, career, hobby, marriage, and then kids or something. It just kind of all was very interwoven early on. And a lot of people have to make that adjustment later on when they do have kids anyway. I know that I got that advice early on in my career that, try not to scale up too much uh, when, you know, both spouses are making full-time income at the peak of your careers, because most moms, when they have kids, they do want to scale back in some manner, you know, even if they are working and then that means an adjustment too. So it sounds like you never really had to make that 
scale up and scale down adjustment because of that. So I think that that's great. That's true. Yes. And I think, I think that's my one piece of advice for people is early on, um, try to see if you can survive, try to see if you can find a way to survive off of one income, because that just gives you the flexibility, whether it's that you want to work part-time, whether it's that you, um, your husband wants to work part-time, but finding a way to kind of make accommodations for your family. Um, I think a lot of people, do get into a point where they're kind of trapped um, with their finances, whether it's a mortgage payment or whatever it is. Um, so I, that's my uh, practical advice to young couples is just don't try to scale up too much because it, it is really difficult. You get yourself um, into some commitments that are difficult to scale back on. Right, exactly. So I'd like to switch gears a little bit and talk about what exactly it's like to have a big family. I myself, I come from a family of four and believe it or not, um, you know, growing up in Southern California, that was actually considered more on the big side, I guess, for Southern California. But I, <laughs> I believe it. Yeah. I still don't think that that truly is considered a big family. So I would just love to find out more about what it's like to be in a big family and then also why you think it's so beautiful because I know that you talk about that a lot on your uh, social media page. This episode is sponsored by Etitude, which is a 100% organic bamboo Lycosel bedding company. Ever since becoming a mom, I've tried to use as many natural products in my life as possible. And one of the products that I hadn't been able to find until recently were the right sheets for my bed that were naturally made and would also give me a comfortable night's sleep. Whenever I shop for sheets online, I was ever happy with what I found. I didn't know if the sheets were made in sweatshops or if they had a bunch of chemicals in them. And with my infant in bed with me at the time, and now my toddler in bed with me, I just really didn't want my child or myself to be sleeping in something that was made with a bunch of chemicals. So I'm so glad that I found Etitude, which has the most comfortable and cooling sheets that are also ethically made and eco-friendly. They are made from organic bamboo, which is actually more sustainable than cotton, and is also a lot softer than the cotton sheets that you're probably using. Etitude sheets are as soft as silk, they're as breathable as linen, but at the price of cotton, which is even better. When you support our sponsor, Sponsors, you support our show as well. And right now, our listeners will get 20% off their sheet set and free shipping by using the code MOTHERGOOD at checkout for 20% off your entire order. The only way to get 20% off your set of Etitude sheets and free shipping is to enter the code MOTHERGOOD at checkout. That's MOTHERGOOD at checkout for 20% off your Etitude order. I'm so glad that I finally found the answer to the perfect sheets I was searching for, and I know you will love them as much as I do. So I actually come from a small family. I'm just one of two. And growing up, I always had this really romantic vision of what being part of a big family would be like. It just seemed like the best thing in the world to be surrounded by, you know, siblings and cousins and aunts and uncles and just the whole thing. Um, and But going into it, I was pretty naive because I... Um, the biggest family I ever knew growing up, growing up in the DC area was probably four kids. Um, that was Ben. My husband is the youngest of four. Um, and so it was just difficult. I never saw a big family in action. I never really spent time around a big family. So it was kind of this like very romantic dream that I had. Um, but once we started having kids, it was just so interesting to see what it was like. So I will tell you, after we had our first baby, I had a total reality check. When our daughter Zosha was born, I basically said, this is so much harder than I ever imagined it would be. 
I call everything off. I don't think I can have a big family. <laughs> I like was totally crazy to say that. And my husband- I feel like that's how every first mom feels, right? <laughs> first time mom. so hard going from zero to one because of that whole thing we said about how you're reorienting your life around this other person. Um, and um, so, but then just one by one, it was actually my husband every time is the one who is so joyful when- we find out that we're pregnant with another baby and has just been such a positive driving force, um, which I mentioned that when we got married, he was the one who said three kids, like I want three kids. So he's actually <laughs> the funny one. funny how that changes and reverses. Um, so, um, so as we started adding more children to our family, there were those early years are beautiful and they're intense. I don't think there was a period of personal growth that was as marked in my entire life as probably the time that going from having one baby to two or three babies, just everything about you as a person is expanding and growing and changing. So when I had just one or two little kids, I was nervous about having a big family because I always imagined it would be like six times, having six kids would be six six times as hard as having one baby, basically, that it's scaled like that. Um, so I think that the biggest surprise to me of now expecting our seventh baby and our kids are, will be like 13 down to zero, um, is that it's really not like that at all. Uh, having a big family is much more like this self-sustaining organism that <laughs> like the older children are helping with the younger children. There are friendships between um, kids who are close together or friendships or even kind of uh, mentoring relationships between kids that are further apart. And um, so that part of it has been a huge surprise. I had no idea that there was this sort of built in kind of self-sustaining and also the more kids that we have, the easier it gets. Even throwing, we have a set of twins, which I will say twins are are a different ball game. They're their own thing. They are a lot of work for a few years. They're a lot of work. Um, but even with that, there's a way, there's this real natural beauty to having a big family that I didn't expect. Um, so for example, um, if, any parent of more than one child knows that there will be times that two of your kids get into kind of an um, antagonistic relationship or they're just having a bad day or whatever it is. So, so in a big family, there's this natural way that those tensions can redirect that a child can just go to a different group of kids and play with them. Or um, so all of that, the um, it really diffuses the most tense moments also, in the most tense moments, at some point, your kids get old enough that you can say, you know, hey, could you set the table for dinner or even expect them to set the table for dinner on a given day? Um, so all of that um, is has been a really joyful surprise. So I feel this special calling to share that with young moms who might be drawn to the idea of having a big family but feel overwhelmed in their current state, state of motherhood. And just can't imagine what it looks like. So, um, so even right now, for example, we are all home. Quite literally, we are pretty much not leaving our property. So on our 
in our backyard, <laughs> inside of our house together 24 seven. My husband is working from home. Um, but the, even with that, even with homeschooling the kids and, you know, everyone being here together, there is less moment to moment work than when my kids are all in school, which up until now, you know, they're, this is the first year that my littlest Josephine is in preschool, a couple more, like a little preschool co-op a couple mornings a week. Um, so it's kind of this community where, you know, I can, everybody is expected to chip in and help, um, whether it's something little like today, our six-year-old and our eight-year-old cleaned up after lunch. It was their job to load up the dishwasher or bigger things too. Um, like I can ask my older daughters to put away their siblings' laundry. Um, and I think that when they see that I'm giving fully of myself, I'm like working alongside them and they get a sense that their work is really important for the functioning of a family. Um, what I really appreciate is that um, there's this joyful sense of giving that isn't resentful or, you know, kind of that um, caricature of a preteen that you see on TV shows where they're like rolling their eyes or I feel like a lot of that is really um, diffused and softened in a big family because when there are siblings that you love who need help, there's a natural way that your um, generosity is drawn out of you. Um, so I think that that has been just really um, kind of the joyful, the joyful part of having a big family. That's so beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. And just as you were talking about how kids want to help, you know, I I only have one right now, Kate, and she's just turned two, but she already wants to help so much. You know, she it's so cute whenever we're unloading the dishwasher. She wants to unload and she just loves having a job to do and feeling useful. So I can only imagine that, you know, the more kids you have and then them wanting to help each other, that, that makes sense. And I can see that happening really easily. Yes, totally. It's always the little ones. I feel like the little ones are always trying to impress their older siblings. So <laughs> it's been so funny to see that our preschooler is like the star homeschooling student because she's trying to show her older siblings that she can do it too. So, so she's going to have some really good handwriting at the end of this. <laughs> that is adorable. That is so sweet. I love that so much. So I wanted to talk about, uh, obviously, the negative aspects or like the co the negative comments that you get, because obviously, I mean, I know I heard it growing up, even though I only come from a family of four, just the the negativity that surrounds big families, not not the families themselves, but other people talking about you or making comments, you know, that it's not necessary, irresponsible, etc. Or I've even heard it's bad for the environment, which I think you talked about before as well. So what are yes, some of the common complaints yes. that you hear about big families? And then how, how do you respond to them? And then also what, what's your opinion of some of those? So it's actually interesting. I, in person, being out with our family, very rarely, I don't think I can think of a single time that somebody was unkind or cruel or said something to us uh, in person. Um, that being said, my my husband is fantastic. Like when he is, when we were all out together and we've traveled like to Europe, different places that it is, it is a bit of a like circus act to bring our whole family into a, 
restaurant in Europe, you know, um, but he always just has this exuberant confidence, like a big smile on his face. And you can just tell that he is the most proud man in the world to be out with everybody. Um, so I think that that people really pick up on that. And so they're not feeling, I think that if we kind of came in and were channeling, like feeling really embarrassed or um, just self-conscious that people pick up on that. And then they view that as an opportunity to pounce. Um, but I will say that in the online world, in on social media, you do hear these things and people are always, you know, comments um, on Twitter or on, I'm, I'm actually not even on Twitter, but having friends, um, people even um, in articles will say things um, that are really cruel and unkind. Um, and so I do feel a special calling to address and call out some of those things, just respond to them from our experience of having a big family. So you hit the nail on the head. One of the comments that I hear a lot, and I think this is really one of the few kind of socially acceptable comments for people to make is like, well, what are you thinking? This is really bad for the environment, Um, which is an interesting comment because from a practical perspective, it's really the opposite of what is true as far as the most imminent crisis facing our society is a collapse of fertility, that there is not a sustainable birth rate in America, certainly in Western Europe. So um, so really, um, families having more children is something that is is necessary for our society to flourish. Um, so that's, that's part so true, of it. Yeah. But, yeah. So, but, but that's part of it. That's statistics. So of course, nobody, I can't imagine somebody saying, well, you know, an economist is telling me that we need to have more children in order to have a sustainable society. So we're going to have another child. That's not a good reason to <laughs> right. have another child. Uh, <laughs> but I would say for my family that every child that we have is not a burden. It's not like they're an item in the budget that's like, child, you know, but they are a store of infinite potential that each one of them brings their unique person, um, their personality, their intellect, their joy. Um, So it's this real beautiful kind of blooming of society every time that a new child is born. Um, And discovering that beauty in our own family and has, I think, really changed the way that we look at each person that we interact with. So when we meet somebody on the street or are working with somebody in a professional capacity or whatever it is, um, I think that Ben and I both really see the potential, the joy, the um, uniqueness of that person. Um, So I think it really um, comes down to like love, you know, that love that just so naturally is drawn out of a mother or a father in welcoming a child. That's really transformative. So, um, so with our, it's interesting because we've lived, we actually just moved back to Virginia to our home state from California. We were in California in the, the Bay area for the last four years. And so Thinking about California, as you know, um, growing up in Southern California, you think of all the stereotypes of, you know, people very absorbed in themselves and their hobbies, 
this animosity towards children having a big family. And it was just interesting because I think that when you um, are living your family life with this joy and love that people are drawn to it. So that was what was so interesting living in California is that we were almost like ready to be, you know, having to defend ourselves and having to be like the subject of all of this abuse. Um, But people were so friendly and kind. And there was one moment that I think Ben realized that there were like several people who had been telling one another about this family that had six children that they had come across and that they, you know, like we're, we're talking about the kids and like how old the kids were and all this stuff. And like it was both of them were talking about our family, you know, like several degrees of separation. Somebody, oh, wow. they, they made this connection. So I think that that um, just realizing that whatever you're doing something, whenever you're living your life with joy and purpose, um, that people are really interested and drawn to that. And um, so we've made a lot of unlikely friendships with people over the years. Um, when we moved into our current house here in Virginia, um, the woman who sold us this house said, uh, well, I don't know how how your na- our neighbor Hal is going to feel about all this because he's an older, retired gentleman. He lives in his house alone. And I just don't know if he's going to, how he's going to feel about having all these kids living next door to him. So we just kind of, you know, moved in, did our thing. Um, and I think it was actually the kids playing outside, which they are all the time. Um, we have struck up the closest, most unlikely friendship with this older retired gentleman, Hal. Um, and it's just been so like he, there is not a single day that passes that he doesn't come over. And now even within the world of social distancing, six feet away, you know, will tell us, um, this is a really hard time, but I was just writing a email to all of my family and friends. And I told them that the one, um, like ray of sunshine in my day is your family being here and just things Mm, like that, you know, And, and it's not, it's not like I'm this amazing exemplary neighbor. I'm kind of like living my life over here, but just to see the way that, especially the kids draw out that joy in others. Um, so, so just things like that. I think that, um, sometimes you still will get a comment, um, about, um, you know, your family size or your carbon footprint or whatever it's going to be. Um, and I think just every time making sure to counter that with logic, but also love and joy, um, I think people really do change their minds. Um, so I think that's the great hope is that when you're exchanging ideas with somebody, when they're seeing how you're living your life or, and when you're listening to them and really, um, you know, treating them with joy and kindness and compassion, that that has the ability to change people's minds and hearts. Yeah, that that's so beautiful. I love that. I always thought that it was kind of bizarre whenever celebrities would say that big families are bad for the environment. I don't want to call out any particular celebrity to to bash them or anything, but the ironic thing is that, you know, a lot of the the wealthier celebrity celebrities if they're traveling the world using jet airplanes and you know, producing way much more <laughs> bad bad things for the environment than maybe a a big family would that's living very frugally. So I just thought that that was kind of bizarre. To- right. 
That's exactly my rebuttal whenever somebody brings that up is that our family with now soon to be nine members to our family does not leave a much bigger carbon footprint than a family that's just a couple living by themselves or a couple with a child. I mean, we live in the same size house. We have um, two cars for many years. We just had one car, just like most other families. Um, we, um, we eat in a much more um, kind of streamlined way. Like there's one dinner that's served and it's not like for our nine kids where it's like four or five times as much as it would be for a family with two. Like we're still, our groceries are much more consolidated and streamlined. Um, And even things like clothing and baby gear, I could probably count on one hand the number of clothing items that have been bought new for my my littlest, you know, or even for this baby, I haven't bought a single thing for this baby just because there's this, um, you know, it's like we've got the stuff. Um, so I actually, my theory to present to the world is that it is extremely carbon friendly to have certain families have lots of kids and then maybe certain individuals that don't have any kids and are, you know, working a professional life or um, that that sort of division of things is very efficient. And not only that, but as you know, having gone from zero to one child, there is just this incredible um, quantity of information that you're learning. So I think that there's something very healthy about having several, a single family having several kids, because you get to put all of these skills and um, just information that you're learning to use, and you're growing through that experience over time. So yeah, and it's, it's economies of scale, too. I mean, it's kind of economics, like the more that you have, right. and you can streamline. So that that makes a lot of sense. Getting back to the complaints, I'm just kind of curious, since my mom got this complaint a lot, when she was pregnant with her fourth from people in person. So it sounds like you've been around a lot nicer people than she was, but one of her, even our her next door neighbor was like, you know where kids come from, do you? And I was like, oh my gosh, if I ever found myself in that kind of situation, like what would I say? So not to put you on the spot, but like, have you ever had to encounter that comment before? Oh gosh, I I have not heard that comment before. I will say though, that when I am out with just one child or actually lately, earlier this year, there were several times that I was just out with our puppy. We have a, a four month old puppy and it was me, the puppy and I was obviously pregnant and people would say, you're about to have your hands really full. And I did not even tell those people that I had six more children at home because I think it would just break them. Like, I think those people would just die on the spot from finding that out. So those people cannot handle the truth. They do not need to, we don't need to get into that conversation at the checkout line at PetSmart, you know? So, um, so anyway, um, but I have known a lot of people who have come up with some pretty witty remarks, some of which I might not even be able to (laughs) repeat on the air with you. But (laughs) as to their knowledge and interest in the activity (laughs) that causes children to be born. so (laughs) I know I'm always shocked because I, I don't know, just me personally. I'm like, why would I ever 
say that to, especially to a complete stranger, you know, like maybe if it's someone you know, and it's a joke and you both know it's a joke, but you don't know what this person's going through and you're just going to lay that on them. But (laughs) right. I mean, I, I'm, there are times that you just laugh and smile politely and carry on with your life. Um, Rarely online or in person is much constructive, um, content going to come out of, you know, just getting into like, uh, fisticuffs and (laughs) fighting, fighting it out with somebody. So I think just kind of laughing it off and, um, going on with your life is probably the best option. Right, right. Definitely. So what would you say to a mom who's listening, who wants a big family, but she's kind of unsure, maybe it's due to societal pressures, or maybe it's because, as you said earlier, that it's overwhelming just to have one or two, but she really feels like she wants a bigger family. What would you say to encourage a mom who does want a large family? So I would just say that it is a beautiful and fulfilling path. It is not the path that God has for everyone. you know. So there are some women who long for it, who are not able to have many children. Um, there are some women who really long for having a, a big family and haven't met the right person. That person hasn't been brought into their lives to get married to. Um, but I think for a lot of women, like you said, they feel this sense of wanting something more, of yearning for more fullness and fulfillment in their lives and feel really drawn towards having a bigger family, but feel nervous or scared um, as I did in those early years. Like I said, when we had just one or two kids, it felt like so much work that I just didn't feel like I would be capable of it. So I think the thing that I would say is that A, it gets easier and easier with time. Those early years are the hardest. Those years are just objectively hard. You are learning everything. You have no built-in helpers in your family. So everybody is needing help. So um, so just looking at the kind of long view, I think, is the key as far as, um, you know, what will your family life look like in five years? Um, I don't know that I could have really seen the fact even that I would be sitting here chatting with you for, you know, however many minutes, um, while all my kids were at home, like in a different room and not needing my, you know, coming every two seconds and saying like, mommy, I need this, mommy, I need this. Um, so, but then like, what, what will your family look like in 10 years? You know, what do you, um, I think that for, for us has always been um, something that just gives us great vision and joy is thinking of the legacy that we leave behind with our family and developing this family culture of like what, and, and that gets so much easier with every child that you add to your family too, that when you sit down at the dinner table, there's a sense of what happens at the dinner table. You know, are we sharing ideas? Are we talking about something? Um, and of course you're always working on it with, every single kid um, and the little ones too, but just that, um, that sense of a family culture. Sorry, hold on just a second here. Um, I've got some visitors in my room. Um, So um, no. So Josephine, darling, could you go downstairs and can you take Fritz with you? Okay. Sorry. Can you hear me? Okay. Still. 
Okay, sorry about that. No worries. That, they did pretty good. That was that's actually perfect no timing. Just as I was saying that I could have a conversation with you without anybody coming to ask for something. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh man. I know. I know. That's, that's, that's I hilarious. Thinking. Okay. So just realizing that in what you're doing, you're building this family culture that that at some point becomes self sustaining, and um, and you have older kids that are able to teach the younger kids the whatever it is, whether it's um, like, let's say that you like to sing together as a family, or you like to read books together as a family, or you like to play sports as a family, whatever it is that there is this, um, this real sense of your family um, kind of internalizing those things and passing them on within itself. That's really beautiful. I love that so much. So what would you say to families of every size? Do you have any general recommendations that maybe a family of any size can learn from a a bigger family? Because just as you were saying that not every family can or should have a big family or many children, maybe it's for health reasons, financial, or just getting started later in life or whatever their life circumstances are. So are there any tips that you've experienced that you feel like families of any size can kind of implement in their everyday lives? Yes, absolutely. I think that the thing coming from a small family and now having a big family that I have learned the most from a big family is that it's okay to expect a lot from your kids. So it's okay to ask them to give of whatever they have that they really want to share it with a sibling is what in a big family I think naturally happens. And I've gotten comments from like teachers and different people just saying, oh, you can always tell when somebody's from a big family because there is this sense of like, you're not always going to get the stuff. You're not always going to end up with the the seat in the car that you want or the, you know, the biggest slice of cake for dessert or whatever it is. So I think that that's something that's really healthy um, just in raising kids in general, just to say it's okay to um, teach kids at a young age to give of themselves to others that, just like you said, your daughter really, really, even at two, really wants to help and um, help somebody else, that kids have this natural sense of wanting to give love and sacrifice for somebody else um, that you can, in a big family, that happens really naturally because there's always going to be siblings that need help. Um, But I think in a small family, that's something that I've seen friends with small families do really beautifully as far as Um, thinking of friends and neighbors, uh, just being really loving, generous people with the people around them. And specifically with kids, getting them involved in that sense that, you know, we're all working, we're all participating in that and allowing them to feel the rewards of it. So in closing, this is a question that we ask every single guest on our show, and it's in line with our motto about that there's no way to be a perfect mom, but many ways to be a good one. What is an example of a time when you realize that for yourself? There are so many. I think that um, there have been just so many times that there's been an ideal that I've been working towards real, and I realize I'm totally failing at it and we have to just redirect. It has been humbling every single time. One time in particular that comes to mind is when I was pregnant with our twins who are our fourth and fifth kids, I was homeschooling. Um, I really had this kind of idealized sense of our home life that I just felt like I wanted it to be perfect. And I was kind of able to make it pretty perfect because we had, you know, a few, three kids that were 
like a couple years apart. Um, it wasn't like at that point in time, it was easier than when we just had the one baby. Things were starting to feel a little easier. And so I really channeled that into this perfectionism. And I have to tell you, when we had our twins, just all of that came tumbling down. There was no way humanly that I could continue. I can imagine. It really, it, it's so funny because I think that that's what it was going to take for me to get that humility to say, okay, I need help. I need, you know, I can't do all of this. I cannot have perfection is not the goal. A, a perfectly clean house, perfectly clean floors are certainly not the goal. So um, right around that time when our twins turned one, um, our whole life got turned upside down because my husband's uh, job got moved to California. So all of a sudden we were discerning this major, major life change. But I think it gave me a clean break and allowed me to leave behind some of those um, unrealistic hopes and expectations I had for myself. And so, you know, we moved and our kids, like we sent them to school, you know, my house was not perfect. It was what it was. Um, dinners were really simplified. It was just um, this total reorientation of what are our priorities. And, and during that time, our priorities and our focus were just surviving, getting through the day, keeping our kids alive and safe. And that continued for several years, like several years of just survival mode. Um, and so I think giving yourself the freedom to lower the expectations that you have for yourself, I think sometimes as women, we are actually our harshest critics that other people have for yourself, whether it's parents or friends or coworkers or whatever it is. And just to say, um, we need to do what's right for our family. And it's not going to be necessarily meeting all of those expectations, but it's going to be what we need to do for this stage. Um, so I think that that was just such an important, that I really needed to let go of those things and, um, just realize that from day to day, like what, where do I get my joy and fulfillment? Is it from perfection? Because that will never make me happy, you know, or is it from serving a higher purpose? Is it from the love that I have for my family? Is it from those things? Um, so I think that the more that we're able to align our life with those things, the less the the perfection, the image really matter. That's so true. And I love how you said that women a lot of times were our worst enemy. It's it's so true that, you know, if we can just lower our own standards, that would help a lot. I love that so much. So Adele, I've loved our conversation so much. Where can moms listening find you on social media, online? Um, where are you at? So on Instagram, you could find me at Simple Life Musings. That's actually a great way that I found to connect with other women who are doing the best that they can. Um, and ha it's become a great community of conversation around things like um, housekeeping or things like um, what our purpose is, what our hobbies are. Um, so it's Simple Life Musings on Instagram. Love that. Well, thanks again, Adele, so much for joining us. And I really... Thanks so much. It's been such a joy to Yeah, I enjoyed talking with you as well. So thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Bye.